This episode of the Cinema Vention Podcast is brought to you by Rotting Wonk, RozJ001, Jack Wolf, and Wearmall 3. If you want to become one of the names listed, go support the show today at patreon.com slash wscottis1. Hi, I'm W. Scott is one, and I have not seen the movie Die Hard 2. Uh-oh, we found another movie Willie hasn't seen. This calls for an intervention. A Cinemavention. Where'd you get those goobers? Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention Podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we are returning to where this podcast began. We're going back to where it all started. We're going to be discussing the movie Die Hard 2 today, which my guest has seen before. He is the co-founder of Ritual Misery Productions and the co-creator of the Diamond Club Streamathon. Please welcome back to the show, Anthony Lemos, a.k.a. Amos, a.k.a. Ethan Kane. How are you doing, man? Well, happy holidays to you, whichever holidays you uh, either celebrate or have celebrated, because I know some of them are over. Well, I think some of them are over. Like Yule's over. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, Saturnalia is over. Christmas is just happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have all got New Year's, unless you're in China, in which case it's like, a week later or something and it's like a month long i don't you know i don't (laughs) happy happy stuff everybody yeah happy stuff yeah absolutely man and uh um, we're coming back to uh to die hard man um i'm excited to uh to return to this franchise and um in many ways this uh this kind of started it all uh back on episode one when you and i were talking about uh die hard two years ago uh and now we're back this is uh Fantastic. And I know you have been um, <laughs> it, it is uh, it, it's a Christmas miracle that this podcast is even happening. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's it's been a busy and rough month for me. As you uh, if anybody that listens will hear it in my voice that I'm still kind of getting over a, a little bit of a lung funk that uh, the doctors couldn't figure out. But uh, they gave me a bunch of steroids and I beat it for now. So, yeah, Good. it's been uh, it's been kind of crazy. Hey, well, uh, let's uh, let's start off with a little bit of st- some stats for this mu- movie because uh, yeah, interesting numbers here. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, so Die Hard Two is available for rent or purchase on all major internet distributors and as well as physical media retailers, and is available to stream on Stars if you have Stars in the U.S. Uh, Die Hard Two was released by 20th Century Fox on wait July fourth, nineteen ninety. Okay. The movie was directed by Rennie Harlan and stars Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, William Atherton, Reginald Vell Johnson, and Franco Nero, among others. The movie had a budget of 62 to 70 million and made $240 million in the theaters. Amos, do you remember when you saw Die Hard 2? Around Christmas time of 1990, because it was during that, uh, during one of those special weeks on HBO where it was free for a week and you could record it. And we did. Absolutely. On our VCR. Was it, uh, yeah. Cause it, when did it, I, I assume it probably went on demand in like probably August or September time. So, I mean, when you, it, you yeah. say on demand, it was more of a, yeah, it wasn't really on demand back then. True. HBO was like, 
played some stuff. And if you wanted to watch it, you tuned in at that time to watch it. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not on demand it, like we know now. No. Yeah. It, it, it went more, it was more of a pre, it went premium cable. Yeah. Um, and it, I think, I, I want to say it was right around that time frame because it was whenever it was, it was on HBO. As soon as it first hit HBO is when I saw it. Right on, right on. Yeah. Now, I have an important question to ask you about this. You said you watched this during the Christmas period. And we have discussed on the podcast before that Die Hard 1 is, in fact, a Christmas movie, right? Mm -hmm. Having said that, nobody ever asks whether Die Hard 2 is a Christmas movie or not. Is it? Because it's not. Ooh. It is is not a Christmas movie. This is a... A holiday movie at best. It's a wintertime movie in general, but there's nothing specific about Christmas that ties into this movie other yeah. than the general time of year. Yeah. Um, this could have been this, the, the, the scene for this could have been uh, uh, Thanksgiving and nothing would have changed. Yeah. You know, it's interesting so that you say that. There's nothing specific about it that made it Christmassy at all. Yeah, that's that's what everyone in the watch party was saying too. That like, yeah, you could you could do this in like the middle of the summer, and it would and the plot would still um work. And I and I think um if I'm not mistaken, um uh, Die Hard three, the next Die Hard movie, absolutely like there's no Christmas ties to it whatsoever. Right? right. No, none. Yeah, none. It's it's set in the summer in uh, uh I want to say L A. Mm-hmm. And then then goes to New York, or maybe it's set in New York. I don't know. It's either in New York or L.A., and it's in the summertime. Like there's no, yeah. There's no, there's nothing Christmassy about it. There's not even a pretentiousness to present anything Christmassy. Yeah. This time, this time they were like, "Oh, why does this keep happening to us during Christmas time?" And that's like the only thing that that is even mentioned. Like, it, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess because uh, I guess that's why they released it um, July 4th. It's still kind of a weird time to release a movie like that, though. You know, like maybe September, October, maybe seems a little bit more appropriate. But like July. Uh, summer blockbusters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, because uh, Die Hard 1, the original Die Hard was released like a year and a half before this movie was. So mm-hmm. that movie hit big and they immediately started making the second one. Right, right. And they want to basically pump it out in the summertime to get that summertime money. Right. Okay. You know. Got it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, yeah, because I feel like there's been other Christmas movies. In fact, uh, Gremlins, which is the next uh, movie we're covering, I believe was also released in the summertime as well. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. And that is very definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Like the, the, the the whole point of that, like the the whole plot, starts with a Christmas theme. Yeah, if it weren't mm-hmm. Christmas, then that that theme would not work, and and yeah, just the way that it works out. So, well, that I, is definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah. this is not a Christmas. Well, movie. this I, is a and, winter movie. Yeah, and I suppose Die Hard One is sort of like it falls under the same pattern, right? Where like it's because the reason it's a Christmas movie is because it happens during a Christmas party. And like mm-hmm. that's kind of what you know defines it as a Christmas movie per se. Right, and and, and there there are certain things about it that anchor be you know that you know the reason that they don't have a lot of cops and support in the power grid didn't have a lot of support and things like that be all because it was Christmas time. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was on vacation and this and that, and you know there nobody's supposed to be there, and so yeah, it was uh it, there there are certain things about the the plot itself that would have to change significantly for it to not be a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. This movie 
Die Hard 2, you could change literally four lines of dialogue and it could be in set in March. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like it's yeah, just it's a like winter on, storm in March at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Summer vacation. Maybe if you're in July. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the weather does take, the, does play a big role in, in everything. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it could be anytime during, during the winter mm-hmm. and with very minor changes, it could be in the summertime too. Like you could have this, Oh, there's a, a random hurricane that's going to hit, you know, Dola's airport or right, whatever. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking This is not a Christmas movie. All right. Well, uh, and now we have now we know. Now we know. Um yeah, and I think after hearing that, yeah, I th- I think yeah, I do think Die Hard 2 isn't a Christmas movie. I guess that's why people don't ask the question. But uh there's no debate on it. But um it's interesting hearing um Holly uh telling Jog uh, about uh the new electronics of the time because this is the early 90s. It's like Holly's almost like telling John, it's like, oh, we're living in the future. It's the 90s, you know, microchips, microwaves, faxes, airphones. <laughs> that yep. uh, that was just amazing. And um, I, and then the lady sitting next to Holly is saying, like, isn't technology wonderful? And talking about using a taser instead of mace. I'm like, wait a minute. How did you get that taser yeah. through security? That's what I want to know. <laughs> because there was no security. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> TSA didn't exist. Like they, you, you went through a, an x-ray machine to make sure you weren't carrying a gun. That was basically the only thing they cared about. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. You, or, could, you could carry a katana at your on your side, but you couldn't carry a gun. That's all. Yeah, no about, guns so. and no bombs. Yeah. Yeah. And this this wasn't a taser, the kind of taser that like shoots out. This is like like a handheld taser that just does a little two prongs that you actually have to yeah, like you, hit somebody with, you know. Right. It, it wouldn't even like yeah, it was so Yeah. And and John McClane carrying his his uh, beeper around. Yeah, yeah, his, his little, little pager. pager. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which almost point, gets, gets him in trouble. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh yeah, but it's funny like looking back on this now, it's like, oh, they were so excited about this technology back then, and now yeah. watching this back, it's like, oh, this is oh, this technology's like complete crap. Like this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. And at one point he sends a fax and didn't know how to send the fax. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 speaking of the facts, by the way, um, Covert had mentioned uh, during the watch party that because um, uh, like it, it'd be kind of hard to do like to send that through a fax machine like and have it come out in good quality for it to be useful. I've only faxed one thing ever in my entire lifetime. So I defer to you on that. <laughs> there are two types of faxes. There is a basically a POTS fax that uses um, sound sounds and things like that to transfer the data. And you're not getting enough resolution out of that to use it for fingerprints. Then there's the data fax, which is actually like scanning it, compressing it into a digital file, sending the digital file and uncompressing it on the other end and then printing it out. That came a lot later than 1990. Mm. So the fax machine that they were using, there is zero chance they're going to get any kind of identification from this dead dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's no chance. All right. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah busted. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because that's like kind of the entire like like that's so crucial yeah that's the impetus to the rest of the movie yeah it turns out it's not even it's not even feasible well (laughs) oh well (laughs) it it won't be the first thing in this movie that's not feasible in real life 
<laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I love how that stewardess, by the way, is um uh, is flirting with John and and John's uh, and John's was uh, his reaction's almost kind of like that was last Christmas. Like I've learned I've learned my lesson. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. it's nice to see that he has at least learned his lesson from the last movie. You know, and he's got a good relationship with Holly this time around. So um, yeah, stark contrast. Oh, oh, some foreshadowing, huh? <laughs> I'm just saying, if we do Die Hard 3, uh, don't expect Holly to show up very much. Mm. She'll be mentioned. She's not going to show up. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because uh, I actually have a plan for Die Hard 3 in the future. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, that'll be a future episode. So, uh, but, uh, but even like the TV yeah. reporter, it's like, you give me the story and you can have my baby. It's just like, I guess, uh, I guess McLean gets all the women, you know? <laughs> Yeah, look, it's Bruce Willis. I mean, even even if you played somebody ugly, he'd still get the ladies. So, it's, <laughs> yeah, kind of you got you got to go with it. Yeah, man. I this reporter guy, man, this reporter guy. And here's the thing: I um, I it had been uh, uh several years since I'd seen the last Die Hard movie. I completely forgot about um the reporter from the first Die Hard movie. And it, it come to find out it's the same exact uh, reporter, Richard Thornburg, <laughs> from the first movie. Um, and I get that his character is specifically written to, you know, like, we're supposed to hate him. Like, I, I, I get that, right? Yep. But I just immediately, like, the first impression they give of him is he's basically being a Karen on the flight because he can't get that yep. first class meal, right? And, um, you know, he's just, you know, being portrayed as the arrogant asshole, right? We find out later on that Holly gets a, got a restraining order, or no, he got a restraining order against Holly for right. her uh, for her, for her punching him at the very end of the last movie, and they just happened to be on the same flight together. At that one, I was kind of like, eh, "You're kind of stretching that one a little bit." Like, what are the odds of that? You know what I mean? It made it more interesting than both of them being on separate flights. And they were both necessary for the story to progress, at least in some way. Like, you know, Holly, Holly being on, on the airplane made it to where John had to care. Yeah. And the reporter being there made it to where there's another last minute interruption to what otherwise would have been a, a simpler job. Yeah, I love you know, like, I love how this this guy's first priority, by the way, when the plane is in like immediate danger, like his primary objective is to get a news report out to the national uh, news affiliate out there via the air phone and subsequently also cause Washington Dulles Airport to go into immediate chaos, what they which they were trying not to do. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so also the air phone. Have you ever used an air phone? No, I have not. I, I assume they're still around, right? Or are they? Maybe. I don't. It's been a long time since I've seen an airphone. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, airphone quality was not something that anyone would ever put and port directly to live television. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it'd, it'd just be like, ever. I'm, I'm coming to you from this uh, flight right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was crap. <laughs> um, you, I mean, you you might as well be talking with tin cans and a string. It was, <laughs> it was not good. Oh, wow. Um, that bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was it was awful. 
And the lag was insane because they were all satellite phones. Oh so, yeah. You know, there was no it wasn't ground to uh uh ground to air. It was air to space to ground. Yeah. So it's like those uh it's like you watch it on cable news where they're on satellite and it's like, what do you think about this? Well, well I think... Jim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's one of those situations. Wow, that's that's insane. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so. I mean, hey, uh, maybe we'll finally be able to. I, I, I see. I say that maybe. Uh, I say that maybe we'll finally be able to use our cell phones at in flight. But then again, I'm like, wait a second. No, I don't want that. <laughs> Have you ever tried to use your cell phone in flight? You don't get reception up there. Yeah, I, I, I've never have. I'm, I'm. I mean, you're, you're seven miles from the nearest tower. At, right. At a, like, if the tower is directly below you. You're seven miles away from it. You're not going to get a decent signal. Yeah, I guess that's why <sighs> T-Mobile is just making like because because T-Mobile has this thing where it's like uh, free uh, free internet on your plane, and that all they're doing basically is just paying Delta or whoever yep. for the internet. Like that's all they're doing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yep. I that, that's hilarious. Um. So one thing that I like about this movie in particular is that this movie gets straight to the point, man. Like. Unlike the last yeah. Die Hard movie, which I I completely understand why it's it's necessary for the first movie because you do have to have some setup in order to get to the you point have to establish where characters and stuff. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that that completely makes sense. But with this movie, no, no setup needed. Like they just go, they just have the title card that says Die Hard Two, and then within like the first like several seconds of the movie you're already uh into the uh into the yeah. story with i mean right off the bat you've got john McClane arguing with the local cop mm-hmm. check you've got holly in the air on her way to visit wherever john is mm-hmm. check and what other setup yeah. do you need <laughs> yeah especially like, if you've seen the first movie yeah yeah and <laughs> go and then they'd have a little interlude with the with the bad guys you know yeah it, it, it was just it was all just so simple and easy it's like okay and go just just go go be actiony uh, right? go shoot guns and stuff and make big things go boom boom and, <laughs> and bearing you know? in mind by the way yeah you said all of uh, all of that happened by the way and within like probably the first five minutes of the movie if that right. like yeah yeah like five minutes in and we're already uh we're already um off to the races like yeah yep. it's perfect to be fair, by the way, uh, um, John McClane's car getting towed, like, he did park in a no-parking zone. Right. So, right. I can't really blame them, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're just doing their job, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and that this really lends to, the, this whole idea of, of not a lot of introduction needed lends to the idea that we're not here for a drama, we're not here for a comedy, we're here to go see things go boom and have bad one-liners. Yes. <laughs> There's not a lot of setup needed for that. Mm-hmm. And it gave us exactly what was on the tin. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, and um, and I appreciated the movie so much for just getting right to it. Like that <laughs> yeah, was great. no fluff, no no uh, no making believe we're something that we're not. Here it is. Here's you know. And 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 honestly, here's the thing. Even if you hadn't seen the first movie, like I feel like you still probably don't need that much context. You know what I mean? Like it that context right. even works even if you haven't seen the first movie, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there's only a, a few things are mentioned. Oh, you're the Nakatomi building guy. Right. You know, there it's it's barely mentioned, but you kind of get the point that, that John McClane is just kind of a 
a bit of a badass. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do the job as a cop kind of guy. Right. And you don't really need to know that he's got this history of doing badass stuff. And, yeah. You know, it, it just kind of forms itself. And you probably don't even need to watch the first one to fully enjoy this one. Yeah, because that, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because I, I was going to posit that question of whether you need to see the first movie in order to see this second movie. Yeah. And my argument is, no, you don't need to. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's completely unnecessary. Uh, future movies, it builds upon more of his personal story, like his backstory. Sure. So it's nice to have seen at least one of these movies. So you can, well, especially, especially the first one, because mm-hmm. the first one kind of gives that he and Holly aren't doing so good and stuff like that, and then it develops that part of it of the backstory later on in the, in the other movies. Mm-hmm. But even then, you still don't need it. You you don't need the backstory. It's gonna it kind of develops itself. But we'll get we'll get into that when we watch Die Hard three. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the bad guy, we mentioned him at the start. Here's, here's the thing about the bad guy is like, there's the, there's the one main bad guy. I feel like Colonel Stewart, right? But there are other bad guys in this movie, right? And, and we see him at the very beginning, um, as well as kind of his sort of entourage of, I guess I'm going to just going to call him minions, I guess. I know I'm not really sure what else to call him, but, um, what's that? Yeah, henchmen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I thought that that was actually super cool. That um, because like he pointed, he pointed the remote at the TV, and it took me like probably five seconds to realize, oh, that's a remote. That's not a gun. Because he's definitely holding it like in the position <laughs> where he was like, I thought he was about to shoot the TV or something, <laughs> which kind of would have made it more funny, honestly, if they did it. Like, I almost yeah. would have preferred that, you know? <laughs> I So one of the things that I like about this movie, um, the, the first one, you, you had Hans Gruber and... right he was a character in and of himself. Like he, he and John went back and forth. Um, they had some snarky remarks back and forth and, you know, it kind of developed the bad guy. This movie doesn't take a lot of time to develop anybody. No, you know, you've got, you've got the bad guy. Cool. You got the bad guys, bigger bad guy that's in, in the jail on his way being extradited to the U S cool. Later on, you find out that there's a bad guy helper. Right. Then you've got all the henchmen that don't need names, right? You know, and and there's you just don't need a lot of the backstory. Then you've got like the the bitter the the jerk cop that wouldn't give John McClane a break, and then you've got the other cop that's kind of like the wannabe cop because he's the airport cop and not a real cop, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've got like the 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 head of the airport dude, and you've got the reporter lady. Like none of these people need a lot of backstory. There's not a lot of character development that needs to take place. It's just like here's some people you're yeah. gonna recognize them because they're gonna recur, so the story can move forward. But let's get into the action, and that's what the movie thrives on. It, it yeah. says character development doesn't need to happen when we just want to go bang, bang, boom, boom. Although there is one, uh, there is one section that I would argue is very important in order to establish the uh, the story a little bit. And that is okay. the TV news report that um, that Colonel Sturt's watching. I, I, I believe it's Colonel Sturt who's naked um, and doing yep. jujitsu or whatever he's doing. Right. Right. He's and, doing naked man yoga. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that news report. That's, that's what I was thinking of that entire time. Was like, <laughs> this is just naked man yoga. This is yoga <laughs> with testosterone. And you can tell it's testosterone because he's naked and he's got muscles. Right. Yeah. He's, he's sweating when he's doing the yoga. So it must be manly yoga. <laughs> yeah. The yoga. You know, it was, it was, yeah. It was like this is this is this is just 
a gratuitous butt shot for the ladies that would got drugged with their boyfriends to see this dumb movie where the things <laughs> go bang boom. Yeah, right. You know, like, sure. It was just like you got to give them a little bit of eye candy, I guess. I don't. Uh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could. I could. I could see why people would be annoyed by that. I'm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I was annoyed. I just didn't care. Sure. But yeah. Sure. The, the the news report it did give a little bit of a backstory as far as why the guy's being extradited, but it didn't like. Even that, was, I wouldn't consider that development. It was just, yeah. I mean, it was but, a little bit of filler. It was an anchor for Mulligan. But didn't it also or, say a, like, um, it, it established the fact that they are working together. Um, Esperneras, uh, I'm gonna screw that up every time. And Colonel Stewart, it didn't. I th- believe it established that they were kind of working together, kind of, right? No, not really, because uh, the colonel walked through the airport without being like harassed by the cops or anything else. He just walked mm. right through. Like they recognized okay. him as a, as a prominent figure, but they didn't link it to this criminal being extradited in. Okay, interesting. You know, so it, I don't even know if, that, if there was a, a concrete link between the two. Mm. Here's another thing so. I'm trying to figure out, though. How the hell does Colonel Stewart have all this equipment and he, he's just able to tap into the FAA lines and take them over, right? Like, like here's the thing. It, it sounds like he's using some of his Pentagon knowledge irresponsibly, right? Still, they though. They all do. They st- all do. Yeah, yeah. Still, though, the it, fact that he this, has all that equipment is a little questionable to me. This is just part of the, uh, the 80s and 90s bad guy starter kits. <laughs> he, went, he, he went to bad guy school mm-hmm. and as part of his uh, graduation package they gave him the the bad guy starter kit and his <laughs> had to do with airports so he went to, yeah, to the airport and plugged it in just so happens he can make a makeshift air traffic control whenever he wants to apparently yeah it's, 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 <laughs> look look you just went to the wrong school with the wrong endowments okay? Uh, okay he went he went to the bad guy school and got the good endowments yeah, uh, with the with the graduation package of the the airport graduation package. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it, ju- it it does seem a little odd to me about the fact that they are taking over a church and sort of using it as a command center or like a clubhouse, as they kind of code worded it. I guess it's just because it's kind of near enough to the airport, but not on the airport property. And I guess for signal purposes, that's why they chose that building. Um, they did explain this, but very briefly, there were some old transmission lines, the old uh, uh, data lines that go from the transceivers and the tower. Oh. Uh, and it went through that neighborhood before the airport gave up that area and they redistricted that area for the neighborhood. Oh, so interesting. They knew the lines were in that area and it just so happened that that church had been built in the ideal spot. So right. That was the, okay. That was, that was the point there. Yeah interesting okay yeah that actually makes way more sense now yeah because that, that was a very small conversation between john and the record guy oh interesting okay yeah yeah you know, the old the old fogey that everybody thinks is weird but knows all the stuff right yeah, right yep. <laughs> yeah well also because like the church is kind of like the church kind of strikes me as one of those like really old churches that was probably built before the airport was even a thing right like and so it just so happens that the coordinates were just right, and so that's why they used the church um, as their sort of command center there. 
Yeah. Uh, what really that was is probably they had a church that was built for a different set and they needed to tear it down anyway. So they repurposed it for this so that they could go in there and destroy it as they needed. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Because you notice um, when they when they approach the church originally, like all the times that they ever show the church, there's there's nothing around it. There's no buildings around it. Yeah. But the time that John and record guy go to sneak up on it, it's in a neighborhood. Because mm. they're like hiding behind cars and stuff. Oh, and then later yeah. on, when the army shows up to take to to force them out, and they go skirt skirting out of the back, suddenly there's nothing around it again. There's no neighborhood around it again. So. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there, there, there's some plot devices that were um, selectively chosen for certain scenes. In I there. see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They sort of pick and they sort of picked and choose uh, where. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. They, yep. they, t- they took the scenery at their liberty a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but but the church itself is even closing down, I guess. I, I, I'm wondering, too, if like that church was, like you said, like actually cl- like closed and was actually going to get demolished. Right. But then they just decided to use it as what for one last movie scene. Right. Before they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, even in the story, it was going to get closed down like they were. Right. You know, they were going to close it down. So uh, it's, it's whatever. Like they, they just have to have yeah. the perfect church in the perfect spot with the perfect cable. Yeah. Uh, at the airport that the perfect criminal is going to land at and during the perfect time with the perfect weather, you know, it was like, all yeah. these, mm-hmm. it's, it's well, whatever. yeah. And they, no, welcome, welcome to the eighties and nineties, uh, bad guy movies. Yeah. Right. Cause <laughs> well, cause they said they're closing it and turning it into a daycare center. What was weird for me is the fact that, um, cause I have, I, I, you know, me, I've been to a few churches in my time. Right. And the uh, the custodian yeah. is just chilling at the church, just eating dinner and watching TV, right? Like, I guess they just live far enough away that they don't want to go all the way back to the house and eat. Like, because that's not a thing that custodians usually do, I don't think. Um, I mean, if you want an explanation for that, there's a lot of areas, especially in D- like DC and stuff like that, where the churches are also used for community centers. Mm. And yeah, it could true. have been like an AA meeting could have just let out right before the bad guys showed up or something like that. So oh yeah, okay, fair. That's enough. that's at least feasible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how plausible or how how like likely it would be, but it's at least yeah. feasible that it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, so. I agree. Yeah, it's yeah, it would be a really weird coincidence if that were the case. But yeah, um. So, uh, but uh, so John and the henchmen, like you mentioned, they're already uh, they're already going at it. They're having a shootout in that room where the baggage conveyor belt is. And yep. I take it, by the way, too, that because um, it sounds like they were tapping into like sort of the power um, grid of the airport a little bit um, because it, it just happened to be where the um, where the baggage conveyor belt was. Right. Because they were definitely messing with some with something in the box there. Right. Yeah. The communication lines. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and that was probably yep. a necessary thing that they needed in order to, yeah, in order to yep. get it going. And in, in that particular junction just happened to be in the otherwise empty and unguarded um, baggage conveyor area. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, but I and I also love how like John is about to tell like the officers about these bad guys that that he's like kind of sussed out and it's the same officer who towed his car earlier. And he's just mm-hmm. like, never mind. I saw Elvis Presley. <laughs> yep. So he's just one of those crazy drunk people, I guess is what he was posing as. I don't know. <laughs> 
but uh but those fighting scenes were just like were just absolutely insane i mean here's the problem with covering this movie um a little like with the fighting scenes in particular like I, and I mentioned this on previous uh, movies. It's like the reason I don't really cover the fighting scenes that much is because like they're fighting scenes. Like what else do you want me to say? You know, like, I mean, they were, they were good, right? Like um, you had John McClane ejecting out of the airplane to avoid that explosion because they throw that, those bombs or those uh, grenades in there. Um, you had the right. shootout at the church, right? Um, also who knew and, an icicle and- could be so deadly, right? look that that's legit i mm. mean the, people get hurt with icicles a lot yeah i don't know if they get hit right in the eye and it breaks off perfectly to to look like a fake eye made of uh, made of ice but <laughs> that was still pretty cool yeah um the ejecting out of a c-130 is not something that has ever happened in the history of anything Yes. So uh, <laughs> I figured you'd no. have some insight on that. <laughs> no, that's, that's zero chance. Zero chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. It, it, and it, also, it, they had they had three grenades each. So three people each threw three grenades into the cockpit, and, and then, then they, they all exploded. One. Yeah. The, and they, well, I, I don't. I don't think those were armed. I think they just threw them in there. And then the last one is the one that they actually pulled the pin, armed, and threw in there. Oh, um, okay. Hmm. That's the only. That's the only explanation as to why they didn't bl- blow up in the fifty-three seconds it took him to strap into that seat and eject himself. Right. Uh, <laughs> also, like, how bad would it suck if you threw all your grenades in there, and then the last guy that pulls his pin and throws his grenade in there misses, and it doesn't land in the plane. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, do you really need nine grenades to blow up one cockpit? No, you <laughs> probably do not. not. No, there are. There's not a cockpit out there that takes nine grenades, nine fragmentation grenades to blow up. So that was just like this is just this is this pointless overkill. But yeah. for whatever reason, I watched it and smiled. Yeah, man. No, I, I have to imagine because like because you have all this military experience, right? And so when you see this stuff in movies. I'm sure it annoys you so much. <laughs> it does. It does. This, this is why I won't watch military specific movies mm, mm-hmm. uh, until, until other people that, that, you know, that have served have watched it and said, yeah, it's good. It's fairly accurate mm, um, mm-hmm. because I don't like, I, it takes me out of the story to see these blatant, obvious uh, right. errors. It's not a matter of accuracy. It's a matter of inaccuracy. Right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, an ejection seat in a C one thirty. That's that's not no. a thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> speak. Spe- well, here's the thing that is a thing: police bureaucracy getting in John's way constantly. Right? There are <laughs> there are so many things that are wrong with the cops and the security and then the logistics in this movie. Right? Like because. Here's the thing. John McClane kind of has a similar problem last time, too. And so I, it, it's probably I, 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 having not seen the uh, the next few movies. I have to imagine this is just a running gag um, in the uh, in the Die Hard franchise. It's just the cops are just like, huh? it's yeah, it, it's it's an anchor point of the franchise. Yes. <laughs> it's, all right. Yeah. Fair enough. Because, yeah. Because the cops here are just as stupid as the last cops in in the original Die Hard movie were, and it's like John McClane has to basically do everything for them, and 
in doing so, pissing off the uh, the chief, of course. Like, he's like, oh, you broke all these FAA and DC regulations. And mm-hmm. I did enjoy that line when the chief asked what John calls that shit. And he responds, self-defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. great, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I just, yeah. Mm, there's so many things wrong. Like, like. Thankfully, John is able to talk to the air traffic control person at the at the head, right? Like he's kind of was able to convince the head honcho, much to the chagrin of the police captain, by the way. But then like but then later on, he like kind of goes back on that later. And it's like one of those things where it's like McLean's always getting in the way type of thing, you know, Um and I remember they asked like they asked like during the movie where's McLean and I couldn't help but say out loud during the watch party I was like <laughs> I was like being more productive than you are asshole like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah. not to mention the police chief later gives away to the bad guy that John McLean is in this operation like dumbass what are you doing <laughs> yeah that's. <laughs> And, he, and, and like the other, the other, the other, the director is just like, he, he just like put it on, like tried to stop him. But yeah, no, it was too late at that point. <laughs> yep. Although I guess in retrospect, that kind of helped it, helped his case because it's like, if they know he's already there, it's like, you know, <laughs> why not fight it at that point? Right. Um, but yep. um, yeah, well, it's one, it's a, it's another thing that, uh, a lot of this is setting John McClane up to be the hero means that he has to face adversity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to come from the cops that aren't as good as him because if all the cops were really good or they're all as brash as him and they're all just straight to the point and getting the mission done. Sure. It wouldn't be much of a movie because it would have been done in like five minutes. Yeah. You know? true. So, mm-hmm. so it, that that's one of the reasons why it's a, it's a continual gag, the bureaucracy of, of just everything getting in John's way is kind of like just a common thread. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, because it makes for a more compelling story. Like nobody wants, wants to see John go up and say, Hey, the bad guys are up here. They're going to do this and we need to stop them right now. And the cops are like, yeah, okay. And they go and do it. <laughs> yeah. True. Well, well, welcome to my 30 minute. That Now we're talking about that. That's just an episode of, you know, NCIS or whatever, like no big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, true. I mean, yeah, because I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, no, I, I guess, yeah, you're right. It is, it's important to have it in there for the story's sake. But still, I just like every time, I'm just like, ugh, I want to, I want to choke someone when, when they're <laughs> saying stupid shit. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> probably, probably the most accurate lie, by the way, was the police chief talking about removing the press from from the uh, from the airport but if they <laughs> ran into that they if they did that they would run into freedom of speech problems and the aclu would be all over the, them like pretty accurate, yeah especially, right? <laughs> especially at this time because at this time uh press had fairly free reign over the airport like they could go straight to the to the gates and and do interviews and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um now with, the, with there being more security that they, they you know you could rein that in a little bit you can control the press out of the main areas a little bit more mm-hmm. but at uh late 80s early 90s there was no you know there's no tsa like i said so yeah it was it was just a public space like it was just just a mall you just couldn't get yeah, on the plane true In- including the tv reporter getting up to the air traffic control tower somehow like that right. that's that's absolutely not allowed though <laughs> i i challenge you that if you can if you can find how to get to the tower 
in your typical major airport, mm-hmm. you can probably get in. Mm-hmm. Because it takes so long to find the thing. <laughs> yeah. That that acquiring the credentials to get in probably isn't your biggest hurdle. And and the security uh, security just happened to be lax there at that point. I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't know. I mean, I mean, everybody has their badges, but was anybody checking badges? Because McLean got up there like three times. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, and he just had he he just had a badge from a different city. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's know. just like, yeah. Oh, you've got a badge, especially when um, because that one um airport worker like unlocked the door for him, and he's like, all he had to do was just show a badge. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, it could have been any badge, and he would have gotten yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> you could you could have a little plastic deal from Thrifties and got right. In, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. Another that's, that's aspect, not happening anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, certainly not. No. <laughs> One other thing that I wanted to ask you about on this that I want to I want to get your take on because people were saying in the watch party that this was not realistic at all. Um, the amount of gunfire that goes off, um, espe- like especially after the crony um, says that sitting duck comment, which, by the way, that was a good line. <laughs> um Apparently, like people were saying, like if this, if that amount of gunfire actually happened in the airport, you would quite literally go deaf if you actually heard that amount of gunfire. Is that true? I mean, I don't know about the actual DB levels and things like that, but it would not be kind on your ears. You would not be whispering and hearing fine details of conversations mm-hmm. for a while after that. Um, something else. I mean, I don't know how many how many rounds they have in in the magazines in these pistols, but I, I don't think you should go back and count them mm. because the the numbers are not going to match up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure someone has yeah. already. Someone has someone has to have, yeah. right? <laughs> and and I don't know the accuracy of it being a Glock seven ceramic that won't be that isn't detected on X ray machines, like. I don't know how strong they think ceramic is, but it's not popping off multiple rounds without breaking mm-hmm. uh, without some metal parts in there somewhere. So, yeah. 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 Also so much for setting up the antennas <laughs> about <Right>. that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I got to go set up the intent. Boom. <laughs> yep. That was great. Um, so here's the other thing too, that I, uh, because everyone was like, why are they um, listening to, like, in the movie, they're like, why are they listening to that communication? And I think that was this was actually more realistic, except maybe for, like, one aspect. But the captains of all the aircrafts, you know, just listen to whatever communication they get and just believe them, you know? It's like, because it's from the communication tower. Like, why wouldn't they, right? Yeah, that's that's actually pretty accurate. They did change how they communicate a little bit to make it uh, a little easier to understand. Like they were a little looser with their conversation than they mm-hmm. typically would be. Um, because you and I, we speak in sentences. Air traffic control and aircraft, they don't speak in sentences. They speak in very constructed language to say exactly what they need and what they don't need. Like, yeah, it's very constructed you know like you're saying the same thing the same way uh with the same cadence every time because you're dealing with multiple languages and english is the international language of flying so that's what everybody's using even if it's not their primary language Mm -hmm. so there are 
you know, you're saying things in a certain way each time. And they don't do that in this movie. So the language itself isn't necessarily accurate, but they dumbed it down a little bit for us stupid mm-hmm. civilians that don't understand why they're saying Niner. Right. Um, right. But overall, yeah, if if a pilot calls an airplane, air, an aircraft and tells them, hey, we got you, uh, go ahead and hit ILS and come on in, that's going to happen. That's what that plane's going to do. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's like, not yeah. going to be questioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't. However. Them. Yeah. However, they did call just that one aircraft and nobody else said anything. If mm. everybody's low on fuel, they're going to want to hear, like everyone's going to want, want their opinion. They're going to say, hey, do we have an estimate, blah, 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 blah. Do mm-hmm. we have different vectors, coordinates? You can't just talk to one single airplane on UHF or VHF because everybody can hear you. Right. Um, so when that one plane went and crashed like that, Mm-hmm. everyone else is going to see that because that was a huge explosion. So they're going to have, have noticed it. And the aircraft are still talking to each other. Oh yeah. Right. Um, you know, they can still mm. talk to each other and that, and they still have satellite phones. Like most of these planes are going to have satellite phones. Like they do mention it in the show that they like only seven of them had it. And they only had three that they could reach or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're going to be talking to each other. If one plane has a satellite phone, they're going to be talking to another to to their home office or whatever and they're going to be getting information from them and they are going to be requesting from you know another area hey we need to go land here go land here something like that so that that whole communication aspect of it was kind of a kind of a a a little fluff piece Mm -hmm. but as far as the one aircraft that that one that was told okay hit ils and coming in that's what they're going to do right yeah yeah so it's like yeah so it's like yeah they're not going to question that and yeah, because like yeah, they have no reason not to, right? Like like that's supposed to be a secure communication and right. Now it's not and now it's not. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's it was a little disappointing though that it's like it's like no it's like it's like it's one of those things it's like you felt hopeless throughout the entire thing. It's like you're it but as the viewer, I'm like I'm trying to like no, no, no and you're so and you're just so hope, helpless. You yeah. can't do anything, you know? Yeah. And and I don't I don't know how accurate it is that they could adjust the sea level by 200 feet on the ILS. Yeah, I don't right. know. I don't know if the GPS systems in the aircraft at that time were advanced enough to were were common enough or advanced enough to notice that there was a discrepancy between the ILS uh, altitude and their altitude. I right. I don't know enough about that, especially for that period of time. I know that, well, I believe now that if ILS was telling them that they were 200 feet below and the aircraft was like, no, I'm not, they would end up not landing. They'd have to, you know, they'd have to figure some stuff out first because that'd be, you know, uh, a disparity in information. But I don't know yeah. how accurate that is to the ni- you know, to 1990. Yeah. Nevertheless, so. though, the police chief's incompetence like that, that it's primarily all on him for the fact that that first plane crash even happened, you know, like. Not to mention he almost lost one of his control tower personnel like throughout all that mess. Like if it hadn't been for McLean, like that tower control um, guy would have almost certainly been dead. Um, But uh, I know that it's dangerous to be fighting on the wing of an airplane while it's in mid flight. Right. I get that. Right. But how dangerous is it exactly? (laughs) Like. Can well, you, they can you duke it out on the wing of an airplane while it's mid-flight? I don't think you can. They, they weren't mid-flight. 
They yeah. were still on the runway. True. Um, they were gaining speed, but you know, uh, th- this is one of those things that you just kind of have to accept it. They were on the wing entirely too long at that speed, at any speed at all, really. They would have run out of runway because the runway is only probably two miles long or whatever. Right. Um, so that, that would have taken entirely too long. Uh, I've worked on 747s. I've never seen a fuel dump in that location. I don't know that a jacket is enough to stop the actuators on the flaps. <laughs> like that seemed a little little suspicious to me. You'd have to have a pretty strong jacket jammed in a pretty particular spot on a pretty weak hydraulic system for the flaps not to be able to, or the, the flaps or slats or, or uh, ailerons or whatever it was that, that, it, that he jammed in there. Um, th- that whole little bit right there was pretty ridiculous. That's, yeah. that's where you, that's where you just take the, uh, I'm going to turn reality off for a little bit and just mm-hmm. watch this. Yeah, not and to mention like when, yeah, not to mention wouldn't they go eventually just go flying off of it at some point? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, they would. Yeah. yeah, so that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> and then when the fuel does start dumping out, it would turn into a mist almost immediately mm-hmm. and go straight backwards, and it was basically coming down. Right, it wasn't flying to the rear or anything else, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they needed they needed it to be solid stream so they could light it on fire with a lighter, which would never happen mm-hmm. with JP8. Like yeah. jet fuel does not light. the 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 point of ignition on jet fuel is so much higher than a cigarette or a lighter would ever be able to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's here's an interesting thing about the uh, the army guy because this was something I didn't notice until my second watch through on this. Um, but if I am I understanding this correctly, where basically the army guy because like the army guy got the police chief finally out of McLean's way eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Except later on, we find out that he's actually working with Stewart this entire time. Am I understanding yep. that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Because okay, because what an insane plot twist, right? Yeah, well, and he discovered that because the the bullets that they were shooting, they had the blue right, magazines and blanks. the red magazines. Right. Yeah, and they were, the blues were blanks and the reds were real. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that was, yeah, that blew my mind when I saw that. I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> from from the general's point of view, would you rather have a fully uh, fully manned police force after you or would you have one out of place Un, uh, a, a single cop with very limited resources after you. Right. You know, so getting the police force out of the way to let John McClane do his thing, mm-hmm. it still benefits him because now he only has one cop to worry about and the others are kind of fumbling around right. as opposed to having an entire police force to worry about. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of unrealistic things, potentially. Yeah. Releasing the fuel that and it blows up the plane and it also saves all the other planes with like the fire being the light source. What do you think? (laughs) The JP8 is not going to burn that long. It Mm -hmm. certainly wasn't going to trail it up to the uh, the airplane the way that it did, and it wouldn't have blown up the entire airplane. It, It. at worst, it would have blown up part of the wing and then the airplane would have fallen. And then possibly if there was a fuel source, it could have caught the rest of it and blown it up. But it wouldn't have blown up in the air like that, especially not in that pattern. That was just 
gratuitous boom boom. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to be seen from the air, sure, no problem, got you. Mm-hmm. Being able to be used as a landing strip for the other planes, I mean, more questionable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot more questionable. A lot more questionable. All right. Um, especially since as you're landing an airplane, you can't see the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially like, at night, right? Yeah, and I mean, let's face it. Uh, if if any of those pilots were instrument trained and non ILS, like if they had that capability, they would have landed a long freaking time ago. Yeah, they would have just brought it in manually. Right. Uh, as soon as they started getting low on fuel, they would have done it. Yeah, which it's, which to be credit kind of to, to their credit, they do right. So, but yeah, yeah, but they wouldn't they wouldn't have needed the 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 light strip. Um, also, mm-hmm. if one plane comes in and lands and it stops on the runway and everybody punches out, where are the other planes going to go when they get to the end of the runway? Right. Hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, this movie's that, got some plot holes in it. It sounds like, <laughs> and and with with that and with that much snow, um, and an airplane comes in without uh, ground equipment to clear off the runway and, and get the snow out of the way. It's not stopping anytime soon. Yeah. Which also, which, which leaves you more runway for the other planes, but it also means those other planes are not stopping anytime soon either. Right. So there's a lot of holes there. Yeah. And then you add in the fact that John McClane went from where the boom, boom happened all the way down to where the plane stopped. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, that's that whole, that whole section of the movie, just kind of suspension of disbelief. Mm hmm. Yeah, they may they may not acknowledge the plot holes, but one thing they do acknowledge, which I kind of thought was kind of hilarious, was the fact that um, they they kind of acknowledged it twice. Both John and Holly kind of uh, kind of make this like kind of off like kind of offhanded comment where they're asking themselves, like, how 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 has this happened to, to us twice? Why does this keep happening to us? Right. And here's what I would here's my answer to that. It's called a sequel. It's called a cash grab. (laughs) But I love how the movie isn't kind of afraid to like let that curtain down on that a little bit. Like, but they're making fun of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. So but uh Um but I mean it's it is what it is. You know, the movie Mm -hmm. the movie didn't didn't go out to win award nominations and stuff. It went out to make money and give people a good time at the theater and, and it did that. Yeah, I think it would accomplish that. So having said that, uh, I think that segues us perfectly into our final ratings for this movie. Uh, Amos, thumbs up or thumbs down? What is your final uh, opinion? I give it a thumbs up. It does mm-hmm. what it says on the twi- on the tin. Like it's uh, it, it, there's not a lot of story. There's just enough for the action and the punching and the guns and the crazy jumps on the on the snow machines. You know, like it's got the big boom at the end with the airplane and stuff and the the happy feel good ending. Right. Like it doesn't it's it's not trying to be what it isn't. It's it's just an action mm-hmm. movie. Here's some stuff, bang, bang, boom, boom, laugh, chuckle, and leave the theater with a belly full of popcorn and an empty wallet. And it, <laughs> it did that it did that perfectly. Yeah. Uh someone dis- someone would someone describe this as die hard one, but in an airport. What what do you think about that? <laughs> Um, wrong. Die Hard One had more of a plot. It cared more about 
character development. It wanted more humor, which it delivered more humor. Mm-hmm. This was just pure action. There was no, mm-hmm. I mean, even saying that there was a plot or a story is kind of shaky to begin with. Yeah. So there's there's not a uh, this isn't Die Hard one in a movie or in, in a in a theater. This is this is Die or Hard one. Airport. Yeah. 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 This is this is Die Hard one stripped down to just the action stuff uh-huh okay all right fair enough so die, die hard three brings back the comedy <laughs> oh interesting okay so something to look forward to then all right yeah. okay all right so my what rating you, like what yeah let, let's get your rating on this yeah my rating is i'm gonna give it a slight thumbs up the reason why i give it a slight thumbs up is because I don't I don't think I liked Die Hard 2 more than I did Die Hard 1. I think Die Hard right. I think Die Hard 1 was much better than Die Hard 2. Mm-hmm. Having said that though, uh the pacing was great. Um I I didn't realize that it was a 2-hour movie at all. It did not feel like a 2-hour movie at all. Um right. so the, the pacing was great, the action was great. Um yeah, I just I I I just didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Die Hard One, but I didn't hate the movie either, you know. Right. So. Right. Yeah. You weren't disappointed by the movie. No, but well, it's not like you watch this movie and you're like, oh man, I just wasted two hours of my life. Right. You know. But 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 does it beat Die Hard One? No. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, and and it's interesting too because I feel like our opinions are kind of a little interesting because they're not in a vacuum, right? Like I'd be curious someone who has only seen Die Hard 2, like just seen this movie in a vacuum, what they thought about it. Because yeah, because there's definitely is like some comparison things that you just, you can't really avoid what having seen both movies now, you know? So yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, this is really a a genre movie. Like it's very Mm -hmm. specific. The, the, the action genre is, it is what it is. You know, there's no, There's nothing extra. It's just this is what it is. So yeah, absolutely. But uh, you want to know what else is nothing extra? Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Amos, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're trying to say there, Willie Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Amos, thank you so much uh, for joining me for this and uh, returning back to the Die Hard uh, franchise. It was great to come back to where this podcast all started. Uh, Look, John McClane makes a great anchor. I'm just saying, like. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a charismatic uh, muscle. I don't don't even say a muscle guy. He's just a charismatic masculine uh, character that likes to shoot guns and say sarcastic stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like who doesn't love that aspect of a movie? Like, absolutely. It's good times. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a good holiday watch. Um, You want to know what else is a good (laughs) holiday watch, Amos? Uh, You must be talking about the DC Streamathon, the Mm 27-hour marathon of live streaming that you, me, and so many other people do on Twitch, dcstreamathon.org. We're raising money for sick kids through extralife.org for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, um it's a great charity it's a great program we have a great time and no one should spend new year's eve alone so if you're going to be alone on new year's eve come spend it with us live in chat even if you don't have the money to donate come join uh join the festivities see some shows that you would never see otherwise mm-hmm. and uh laugh at us laugh with us and uh laugh for us and uh let's <laughs> let's let's make some uh 
some children's, uh, some sick kids' lives a little bit better and uh, wash away some of the bad karma that we built up this year with the uh, the foul language and the impure thoughts. Absolutely. Yep. DCStreamathon.org and uh, DCStreamathon.org slash donate if you want to uh, give to Extra Life. If you want to uh, contribute, uh, because I will uh, be doing a, I'll be doing two one hour blocks actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you want to uh, contribute specifically to the, uh, to the cinema, to the cinemavention slash game night fund, but um, but it will also count towards the Diamond Club total. So you are, yes, yep. you are um, giving towards my goal, but that goal also goes to the main Diamond Club total. And if you yep. want to do that, cinemavention.com slash donate will take you directly to my donation page. And you can, uh, if, if you want to support me and, uh, and, and it's mainly just a it's mainly it's mainly just a competition to see who can donate who can raise the most right right, right. <laughs> so yeah but uh, cinemavention.com slash donate that'll take you right there and donate any amount um any amount that you can uh any yep. amount is is good and we appreciate it so much um yep yep, yep. um and then if uh if you want to catch anything else that i'm involved with uh up and down this the the interwebs just go to anthonylemos.com link in the show notes anthonylemos.com i got photography i got poetry i got uh i think i have poetry up there i should have poetry if i don't then it's coming mm-hmm. um and then of course i got links to everything else from there so between dtns and photo news and ritual misery and all the other things so Absolutely. anthonylemos.com right on course i do a watch party for each of the movies that we review on this show if you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners you can do so by joining the conversation in our discord over at discord.cinemavention.com but if you can't make it to the watch party you don't have to worry because we have it available on demand for you exclusively if you support the show over at patreon.com slash is one thank you thank you thank you so much to everyone who supports that the Patreon and keeps the show going. Massive, massive thank you to everybody that does that. Don't forget that I am live twice a week playing games with the community on my Twitch over at twitch.tv slash is one. But like I mentioned, um, I have a slot in the streamathon this year and I will be doing the next episode of Cinemavention live on my Twitch. That'll be on Saturday, December 31st from 3.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. So go check out that um, or dcstreamathon.org also works as well. And later on, I get to ring in my own time zone at 1130 p.m. Eastern. What and we could and we play Fall Guys during that night. It's going to be such a fun time. I'm probably going to be drunk. So <laughs> so if you want to see me drunk, that's going to be the time to do it. if you have thoughts about um the movie we discussed today you can send in an email over at email at cinemavention.com and to see all the previous movies we've covered go to cinemavention.com thank you to kevin mcleod for the intro and outro music for this show you can find him at incompetech.com and we'll be back next week as mentioned we'll be wrapping up our month of christmas films by discussing the movie Gremlins, I'll be joined by Kent Fallor. And once again, join us at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on my Twitch if you want to watch us record that episode live. But it'll also be available after the fact in the feed as well. So hopefully I'll see you um, in the live stream. But if I don't, we'll see you on the next episode. And we'll see you next time. 
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>